We're going to jump into this message. We're, we're still in the book of Acts. If this is your first time with us or you've missed a week or two, I would encourage you to go back. You can go to osconnect.com or you can download our app and catch up on the series we are in in Acts. It's, we're on week 18, I believe. It won't kill you. <laughs> if you're 18 weeks behind, you can do it. And uh, so please catch up with us. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the series. It's been phenomenal for me. I'm just loving it. How many of you would say you're sick and tired of hearing this phrase, slow the spread? <laughs> By show of hand. How many of you are sick and tired of hearing about slow the spread? Come on. Like, your skin crawls when you hear slow the spread. I mean, we've done some, some pretty crazy things over the last two years. We've gone to incredible measures to slow the spread of an invisible virus and We've covered our mouths, we've isolated, we've distanced ourselves from others six feet apart, six feet apart, six feet. I sneeze and I can hit the back of this room, <laughs> but six feet. That COVID dies in six feet. <laughs> we've distanced ourselves from others in public, we've quarantined, we've going through many efforts to slow the spread, and I get it, I participated in it, I understand it, I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm not saying everything is wrong, I'm just saying it's been just weird, and I'm sick and tired of hearing about slow the spread. Ugh. Anybody feel my pain? Can we move on? <laughs> so today I want to talk to you about what it would look like if we took the same practical steps we used to slow the spread of COVID and reverse them to increase the spread of the gospel to the world? What, what if we opened our mouths? What if we got back into community? What if we got close to people again? What if we came out of fear to tell others about Jesus? Could we increase the spread of the right thing? And so the title of my message today is Increase the Spread. We're going to find ourselves in Acts chapter 11. How many of you know that we've seen in Acts so far that when God goes to advance his kingdom, it advances through the spreading of the gospel. That's how it advances. When he was ready for the gospel to move from Jerusalem, he allowed persecution to come, which got them out of their comfortable spots. And sent them on the road. And when they went on the road, they preached Jesus and the gospel spread and the kingdom was advanced. That's how it works. That's the only way it works. That's God's plan. It's his design. We're not to argue with it. We're just to go along with it. Which means this, that when you find yourself traveling from here to there, you need to be spreading the gospel. It's a mandate, if you want to use that word. It's a mandate. It's a command to spread the gospel. Everywhere they went, they spread slash shared the gospel. You see, to spread something, you have to get close enough to transmit it to someone else. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus didn't die for you to quarantine, isolate, distance yourself, or shut up. He saved you because he was on a mission to save others. 
He's going to care for you just like we talked about this morning. He's going to make good, take good, good care of you. He's going to walk with you. He didn't just save you just for that. He's going to love you. you. You came into the family. You're adopted now when you gave your life to Jesus. You get all the benefits of being a Christian. Come on, somebody. But at the same time, you get the benefits, you get a mission. And the mission is to go and spread. So in Acts chapter 11 today, I want to answer three potential questions about increasing the spread. Number one, the first question is who is doing the spreading? I feel like we need to clear a few things up today. Who is doing the spreading? We pick up in verse 14, Peter was retelling the story. He was getting ridiculed because if you remember last week, he went to a Gentile's house, which was, which was a bad no-no for Jews to do, and he preached the gospel and they got saved and and so he, the, the folks, the other believers in Jerusalem heard about it. They were bringing some, some charges against him. They were, they were just, they were just <laughs> yeah, they, they were picking on him for going into a Gentile's house. And so we find verse 14, Peter's explaining himself, and he's retelling the story that Cornelius told him about when the angel came to Cornelius and said, go find Peter. And then he says this in verse 14, he will tell you, he will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. So the angel told Cornelius to send messengers to Joppa to go find Simon Peter, who's staying with Simon the Tanner by the seashore. Come on, that's better than GPS, y'all. And he, he said, you go there, and you're going to find Peter, and Peter's going to tell you how you and your family can be saved. It seems when I read the scripture that there's an assumption that he would never know until someone told him. The angel told Cornelius that Peter would tell him how, which raises, raises a big question in my mind. Why didn't the angel tell him? He had him. He was listening. Why didn't the angel tell him? You ever thought about that? Why go through all, through all through the trouble of getting, getting Cornelius to send people to Joppa to find Simon who's staying at Simon the Tanner's house by the seashore and get him to come and tell us how to be saved? Why go through all that trouble? Why didn't the angel just tell him? Hmm. Took a lot of movement to get Peter to go to Cornelius' house to deliver a message that the angel could have delivered. Shazam. <laughs> well, clearly we see that God uses believers to advance his kingdom. Wouldn't you agree? <clears throat> God uses believers. I'm going to prove it to you in the next couple of verses. Verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, the believers, this is after Peter had told the story of Cornelius and everything that had happened, and then all the believers in Jerusalem were like, wow, we see now too. That's how I wrapped up last week's message. In verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. So who did the preaching? You, you can talk back to me in this church. It's okay. As long as you don't cuss me, I won't cuss you. It, who, who did the preaching? Who? Maybe this side knows it a little bit better. Who did the preaching? The believers did the preaching. Interesting. 
The believers did the preaching. They preached the word of God. Wow. You know what's funny is that for way too long, we've, we've, we've expected the preachers to do all the preaching. And we've relied just on the pastor to do the preaching. Thinking, man, you're the preacher. No, I'm actually the pastor. I get a chance to preach, but my name is pastor. My title is pastor. It's shepherd. It's lead you, equip you to go out and do the work of the ministry, not to do the work of the ministry for you. So the believers do the preaching. Look at your neighbor and say, you better preach, preacher. <laughs> now that word preach in the Greek is the word chartsuba. It's a funny looking word. It means to proclaim. It means to bear witness. And it means to announce in public. Is the air conditioner on? Lord Jesus, if Pastor Jamie's cold, the rest of y'all are frozen. <laughs> we, can, we can negotiate that a little bit. Just a little bit. And, and all of you that were freezing said, yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm sensitive. Sometimes. It means, preach means to proclaim. It means to bear witness. And it means to announce in public. Watch what Paul said about preaching in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. This comes right after Romans 10, 9 and 10 where he talks about how you get saved. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15. He says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, watch this. This is, this is hope for all you people with ugly feet. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. Stop going to the doctor. Start preaching. Your feet will get healed up. How can they hear unless someone tells them? That's interesting. I want you to notice real quick before I move on. This is just a little side note. We'll get into it in point two. But they only, this first group only preached to Jews, and the question is why? Why did they only preach to Jews? Verse 20, next verse, watch what happens. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Whoa. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church of Jerusalem heard about what happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. So watch this. The first group goes out. And they preach the gospel. The believers preach the gospel. They go out and they preach, but they only preach to Jews. The second group goes out and they begin to preach. The believers preach and they preach to Gentiles. You ever wonder why God put the separation between the two in the Bible? You ever wonder why he made mention that one group preached to Jews and the other group only preached to Gentiles? Let me throw you another loop in here. You ever wonder why in verse 21, it says that the power of the Lord was with them when they were preaching with the Gentiles, but it didn't say that about the Jews? 
Last week we saw how much movement it took to get Peter to Cornelius. How much movement it took a believer to get from where he was to a Gentile's home, to a non-believer's home. How much movement it took to get the gospel to Cornelius' house. The angel didn't say it. The angel didn't tell Cornelius how to save his family. He told him to send messengers to go find a believer. Ah, Go get a believer to come back and tell you how to get saved. How's somebody going to get saved? When a believer tells them? It's not rocket science. I promise you an unbeliever is not telling another unbeliever how to get saved. <laughs> it takes a believer to save an unbeliever. I didn't make the rules. I didn't set the standard. God did. This is God's plan. He could have spoke through the angels, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to use a man, a believer, a woman, a believer, to go and deliver a message of salvation to an unbeliever. If the, if the believer don't go, the unbeliever never becomes a believer. Which means this, if I can just be really crude. If you don't go and tell them when, when Jesus comes back or they die, they're going to bust hell wide open and they'll spend eternity burning. It's no joke. The Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen to me today. Hell is real, but so is heaven. And if you love Jesus, you love what Jesus loves, you love other people. And if you love other people, you're going to tell them how to get to heaven. You're going to introduce them to Jesus. Why is it so hard to get the gospel to Gentiles and not Jews? Well, evidently, God chooses to use believers to do his work. And we can clearly say that because he gives the gospel to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, that anyone can be saved. Did you hear that? <laughs> say anyone. Anyone can be saved. You don't get to pick and choose who gets saved. God told Peter to go to his enemy's house and tell him how to get saved. The only choice Peter had was to either go or not go. Boy, it would have been really cool to see the story if Peter would have said, no, I'm not going. Like some of us do. It hurts so good. It hurts so good. You see, I want us to walk through the gates of heaven one day, and I want us to see people, and we told them how to get there. I want you to walk in like you just won the Super Bowl. What's up, Big John? Cole, that's my man Cole. He told me about Jesus. Ashley, she met me in this place and she told me about Jesus. She shared her story. I found Jesus and I'm in heaven today. I'm not burning. Thank you, Ashley.
So two questions, and then we'll move on to the next point. Questions that you need to answer for yourself. How many unbelievers do you know? How many unbelievers do you know? How many unbelievers do you know? Second question, how do you intend to reach them? Do you even have a plan? Are they even on your radar? Or are you spending all of your effort, time, and energy trying to coexist with them and not allow them to pull you down or mess you up? How do you intend to reach them? (laughs) Second question you may potentially be asking is who are we spreading to? (laughs) Which I would say is a good question. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, this is such a good verse. You could do a whole sermon on this verse. He says this, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Some of you just got met right there. Paul said, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. In other words, I'm not letting what people think about me keep me from sharing what changed me. I'm not going to let what the world thinks about me, how they see me, how they treat me, determine whether or not I'm going to keep preaching this good news. Look at what he says. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It, the good news about Christ, is the power of God at work saving who? Everyone who believes. What is the good news? It's the power of God. It's the very thing that changed your life. It's the very same power that broke the generational curse you were struggling with. Then he says this. He says, it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. Here's a distinction. The Jew and the Gentile. Why has the Bible got this thing going on between Jews and Gentiles? I think I understand a little bit of it, and I'm going to try to share it with you this morning. We're basically preaching to two different types of people. you got to pay real close attention here. We're basically preaching to Jew types of people, and a Jew type of person, not a Jew themselves, but like a Jew type person, is a person who has somewhat of a biblical foundation, somewhat of a biblical worldview. They understand to some degree, even though very small, that there is a God, he's one God, and man has a sin problem. The Jews in those days, though they were jacked up with their religion and their traditions, they understood that there is one true God, and they understood that man has a sin issue. So you may be preaching to a Jew-type person, a person with some kind of a biblical foundation in their life. Their worldview is based on who God is and who they are. And then you will also be preaching to Gentile types of people. And these are people who have no concept of one God, no understanding of sin, its origin, its penalty, or its solution. They have a humanistic evolution type of worldview. They believe in things like the Big Bang Theory. Now, in the South, we're guarded to some degree. 
We're in a strong Catholic community, right? Most of the people we do life with in this area have somewhat of a biblical worldview. Somewhat. So we don't see Gentile types of people like we would expect. But I promise you after today, you're going to start realizing. Because they're here. And they're all around us. I did some work in the, in the elementary schools a couple years ago. Oh, they're coming up. No concept of God. You say, do you know God? They go, which one? Have you heard about Jesus? Who's that? What are you doing about your sin? What's that? Clueless. So it's important to know who you're preaching to before you start preaching. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture in a minute. It's important to know who you're preaching to before you even start preaching. If you remember in, in, in Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit told Philip to go down the desert road, and he ran into the Ethiopian eunuch. You remember that story? Philip, he, the Holy Spirit said, go and walk alongside the chariot. Philip ran, got alongside the chariot. He's walking alongside the chariot, and he hears the eunuch reading from Isaiah. And then the eunuch invites him in to the chariot to ride with him. He jumps in the chariot. They start talking about what the eunuch understood about God. The eunuch asked the question, who is Isaiah talking about? And the Bible says this. It says, Philip took him from there to Jesus. You got to meet people where they are. You can't just assume that everybody's Jew type. You got to understand that there's Gentiles around us, Gentile type. They have no concept of God. They're clueless. You can go in preaching Jesus, but you're not going to get much results. Who's Jesus? What God? I got about 12 of them I talk to. Peter, I'm going to show you a difference between Peter and Paul for a minute. Peter preached predominantly to Jews, although he had that occurrence with Cornelius. Peter's message was typically this, Jesus, repentance, and salvation. Rarely do you read where Peter went all the way back to Genesis and started to try and lay a foundation about who God was. Paul, on the other hand, preached predominantly to Gentiles, and many times he had to change up his preaching. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, I won't go into it too deep because we're going to get there in a couple of weeks or months or years. Um, <laughs> it's just saying. Acts chapter 17, Paul runs in, he goes into Athens and he runs into these Greeks and Paul goes in preaching Jesus and they start saying, who's this babbler? Like, what are you talking about? They had no clue. Like, what are you babbling about? But they were mystical type of people, so they loved new things and new ideas. So they took Paul. He was getting nowheres with them. You can read the story in 17. And they bring him to their higher thinkers. And Paul on the way sees a, 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 a plaque or something that says, the unknown God. And Paul goes, I got that. And Paul, from the time Paul started preaching, realized he wasn't getting nowhere to the time he was standing before the higher thinkers, Paul changed his message. He didn't start with Jesus. He used their plaque that said unknown God 
and he told them who God was. Watch, I'm going to show it to you. Verse 17, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 24 to 26. He is the one, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies everything. For one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Paul brought them all the way back to Genesis and had to lay a foundation of who God was, and then from there, he took them all the way to Jesus. So we can go out and just point blank witness to people and just go tell people about Jesus and we may get somewhere and we may not. But we can be a little bit more methodical about it. We can be a little bit more intentional about it and we can get to know people, discover where they are, meet them there, and then bring them to Jesus. Paul made an adjustment. I find it interesting that Paul constantly or consistently went back to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles to make sure that they were all on the same page. If you read it, he, he went back many times just to check in and say, hey, guys, we're all, we're all on the same page. Like there's no strange gospel. Is this making sense? To make sure we're all staying on the same page, to make sure we're all staying accurate. That's what you call intentionality. You see, you have to be ready to discover where someone is spiritually and then meet them there, then take them to Jesus. It's actually faster. It's actually more accurate. It's the difference between shooting a shotgun and an AR-15 or a 22. One's a broad shot, boom, hope you hit something. One's a more accurate approach, dialed in, intentional, focused, ready, steady, shoot. You see the difference? So the third potential question you may be asking is, how do we increase the spread? How? So we know that the believers are the ones who do the preaching. Amen. <laughs> I'm so glad you came to church today. You get to go home and preach. Who's doing the preaching? Let's try that one more time. Who's doing the preaching? Hmm. How do we increase the spread? First thing you need to do is you need to understand the world you're living in. I'm sorry to tell you this, but the world's not becoming more Christian. America is not becoming more Christian right now. In fact, it's being called post-Christian. I could get into all kinds of things about what President Obama did that was already started before him, but he opened a floodgate of things. He opened up a floodgate of many other gods in the U.S., basically giving them permission to rule and reign. 
You see, back in the day when Billy Graham was preaching in America, how many of you remember watching some of those Billy Graham crusades, right? Hundreds of thousands of people would show up in a stadium, and he would stand on a pulpit, and he basically had one message, Jesus, repentance, and salvation. And thousands upon thousands of people, it's estimated he reached, he saved almost 12 million people. What the heck am I doing? (laughs) Unfortunately, we don't live in those days anymore. We don't live in that same America today. Some folks say, I wonder when God's going to raise up the next Billy Graham. I would say, they're in this room. You're right here in this room. It may only be 10 and not 10 million, but that's okay. You're in this room. You're the next Billy Graham for somebody. Are you hearing me today? You're the next Billy Graham for somebody. You see, back in those days, the generous portion of the population had a basic understanding of God, the Bible, and salvation. Today, we live in a culture that most part, for the most part is lost. They've just lost that understanding. God, the Bible, and prayer used to be in schools. Today, it's been run out. You ever wonder why we're getting what we're getting? You know what happens when you push God out of a situation? When you push God out of something, like out of the schools or even out of America, you know what happens is is eventually the people that are in that start to lose the fear of God because they don't even recognize one God. Now, we know what happens when you lose the fear of God, right? How do you get wisdom? By the fear of God. Lose the fear of God, lose No wonder people are doing all this dumb stuff. You don't need to be confused about that. Why is the world going to hell in a handbasket? Because people have lost the fear of God. Why is it important for you to raise your kids right? So that they'll go out of your house one day with a fear of God. And they'll change the world they're living in right now. So we send our kids to schools that are, to get educated by state-run schools that are teaching evolution. We got the news in the media. Folks are spending too much time consuming. Whatever you feed your brain, your brain becomes. Whatever you feed your eyes, you become. The Bible says to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. What you feeding on? So three practical ways to increase the spread. Now I'm going to give you these practical ways. And some of you are going to see what they are and immediately you're going to be turned off because you've heard this a million times. Unfortunately, there's no other way to say pray than to just say pray. And whether you're sick and tired of hearing the word pray, oh, that's all them preachers talk about. You need to pray, you need to pray, you need to pray. Man, shut up and just pray. For the love of God, talk to Jesus, dear goodness. If you're tired of hearing it, do it more. Pray, but let me tell you how you need to pray. You need to start by asking God to examine you. Anytime we pray, we pray about us first. 
Lord, examine my heart. Lord, invade my heart. Lord, come into my heart. If you see something in me that you don't like, show it to me. I want to get rid of it. Come into me, Lord. I'm not trying to fix everybody else with my prayers. I'm trying to get close to Jesus and invite him into my heart. Start by asking God to examine your heart. Is there, is there cracks in your foundation? Have you let some Greek thinking get into you? Oh, you know what's happening to the church world today? Is evolution is getting blended with Christianity. So you got Christians who believe in the Big Bang Theory. Wait, what? Have you not read Genesis? Do you not believe your Bible? There was a bang. <laughs> but it wasn't the Big Bang Theory. And I'm not just talking about a TV show, by the way. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, what's wrong with that show? Well, there's a lot, but... Have you let some Greek thinking get into you? I know plenty of Christians got some weird thinking. Whew. You don't believe me? Go to a funeral and let somebody speak. I've had to fix more stuff at funerals. So when you pray, start by asking God to examine you. It's funny, in marriage, every time I told God to fix Cheryl, he fixed me. So I quit telling him to fix her. I, fi I figured it'd be a little easier that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, she's good. <laughs> I'll deal with it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Is there some cracks in your foundation? Have you allowed some stinking thinking to get into your brain? You need to ask God when you're praying for understanding. The Bible says to go after wisdom and understanding. Seek for it like a treasure. God, help me to understand the world I'm living in. If you've got crazy people at work, God, help me to understand why you won't give me that next job yet. He might just tell you you're not getting the next job until everybody gets saved, and I'm trying to get you to save. So if you want a promotion, save everybody in the job and then get another job. Ask for understanding. Ask for boldness. It's funny. We go, but Pastor, you know, I'm just not, I'm not real comfortable telling people about Jesus. Well, did you ask for boldness? Did you ask for some courage? Because if, you, if you're not asking for it, you probably ain't going to get it. Come on. Ask for his anointing. God loves to anoint preachers. Who's the preachers? <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you, just keep you tracking. Just keep, you're going to leave the day. Dang, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Ask him to anoint you. Give you power to preach. Oh, man. 
when God anoints his people, let me tell you something about the anointing. It's nothing you need to be afraid of. It needs to be something you're excited about. It needs to be something you anticipate. It's not a curse. It's not anything to be afraid of or ashamed of. When God's anointing comes on you, you all of a sudden get smart. Like you, you get communication. Like you can speak. And your spouse is sitting there going, the heck happened to them? You get the anointing. You get a power to proclaim, a power to, to say something in public. You get a power to bear witness. I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. Ask for the anointing. Sit in that anointing and let it work through you. It's not you anyway. I'm telling you right now, we can tear up this whole region if every one of us would wake up Sunday, Monday morning and say, Lord, would you anoint me today to preach the gospel? We'll see more people at this church next, next week than ever before. But you ain't going to get it if you ain't asking for it. That's that weird churchy stuff. You can call it what you want. The next way you need to pray is you need to ask God to prep the ground. <laughs> Don't go in blind. Send the Holy Ghost and the angels after them people. You go prep the ground. What does the Bible say about the, when Jesus told the story of the sower? Some seed fell on good ground, some seed didn't, right? And he gave the various types of ground. Pray for good ground. That's how you prep the ground. Pray, and when you're around them, be kind. It's revolutionary. <laughs> Serve them. Love them. Let the love of God flow out of you. Prep the ground. How many people you got on your hit list? Do you have a hit list? Are you just expecting some angels to fall out of the sky and tell all these people that you really love about Jesus? It's really cool to put people on a piece of paper, and at the top, I go, hit list. Get them, Jesus. And then pray for them. Lord, soften their heart. Lord, move in them. God, God, uh, just move, Lord. Just, just begin to do a, a sanctifying work. God, just open them. Prepare the ground, Lord. Prepare, prepare me, Lord. Prepare me. Prepare them. Prepare them and prepare me. And then anoint me with your power to go and share the gospel with them. And if we got to go back to Genesis, we'll go back to Genesis because I know Genesis too. So number one, you pray. Number two, you need to prepare. You need to prepare. Let me ask you a question. What's your worldview? What's your worldview? Is it somewhat biblical but got some evolutionary humanistic stuff mixed in with it? Do you got a shady worldview? Can you answer anybody's questions about God? Have you prepared yourself? We need to be ready to answer some questions. You know a common question I get? 
When I start to tell people about God, well, 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 if your God is so good, why does all these bad things happen? I go, oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Let me tell you why. You know what they just told me? They just told me that their, their foundation is in Genesis. They're not ready to hear about Jesus yet. They need to hear and understand God first, right? So we go back to Genesis. Let me tell you about the God who created the world. Let me tell you about the God who created man. Let me tell you about the place that man was living in. It was perfect in every way, and that was God's intentions, to live in a perfect place. He gave them one simple rule. Don't eat from this tree. Because they disobeyed God, sin and death entered into the world, and now the world is cursed because of what Adam and Eve did. That's why you're living in such a world that you're living in. Just a, just a little bit. Just a sample. Are you ready? Whose responsibility is it to get ready? I, I can equip you, but, but you got to. <laughs> Who said it? Somebody said, do it. Say it, Christy. Say it like that. From Church Point, do it. Just do it. Sound like you're from the Bronx. <laughs> just do it. Learn how to lead somebody to Jesus. I use the Roman road. I wear the Roman road out. What's the Roman road, Pastor? Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10, Romans 5.7, Romans. Take some, take some to Jesus. I preached Roman, the Roman road at an iota uh, student assembly and 40 kids got saved. Me and Tim went a couple years ago. I did one of my best friend's funerals and preached the Roman road and 60 people got saved. Look at me. It works. Are you ready? Are you ready to lead somebody to Jesus? Are you prepared? If you're not, that's okay. Get ready. Have your own story ready to share. And I just, I just want to say this. I love our church. I love OSC. But your story don't need to point to OSC. Your story first needs to point to Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, you won't come hang out with some great people. You can come to OSC. But I'm not, in, I'm not inviting people into a life of OSC. I'm inviting them into a life with Jesus. And if you want to come hang out with OSC, you can come hang out with OSC. But the most important thing I can give you is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You don't need anything else until you get Jesus. Have your story ready to share. Tell people what Jesus did in your life. And don't ever underestimate your story. God, the devil's beat your story down too bad. It was just a little old story. Bro, that's your story. People can relate to your story. Be prepared to discover where the person is. Ask questions, either beforehand or in the moment. Pay attention to people. Stop trying to impress them and just pay attention to them. 
I'm going to roll that ball one more time. Stop trying to impress them and just preach to them. Listen to them. Find out where they are. Jesus is impressed with you. You don't need to impress anybody else. Holla. You see, it takes a lot of intentionality. You got to wake up different. Can I give you permission to wake up different tomorrow? I, got, I woke up this morning. I put my feet on the ground. I had a song in my heart. I put my feet on the ground. I said, Jesus, I belong to you. I'm so glad that you're my Lord. And I don't have to be. I love you and I serve you. I needed to remind myself. And I also wanted hell to hear it. Hear it. Right? We need to wake up a little different. Wake up with some purpose. Wake up with some meaning. There's a world to say, we're only here for a moment. This is vacation. Might not be a good one. But it's, it's like it's going to end. Number one, pray. I told you how to pray. Number two, prepare. Own this thing. You need to own it. Own it. You're God's man or woman for the environment that you're living in. You don't need to wonder who needs to preach or who needs to pray over that group of people. You're that person. You're his man or woman for that situation. Stop wondering and start owning it. God puts you in a place with a bunch of kids. Own it. You're his influence in that, in that community. Own it. Number three, preach. Once you've prayed, you've prepared, preach. Stand in whatever situation you find yourself in. Open your mouth and watch this. Words will begin to flow out of your mouth. Boy, let me tell you something. When you're under the anointing, when God anoints you, you'll say things you never even knew. I've sat with people and took notes on what I was saying. I'm like, wait, pause break. <laughs> Dang, that was good. Wait, wow. Whew, can we meet again? <laughs> Open your mouth. Let the words flow. You'll never know what the anointing is until you walk in it. And remember, you're just bringing people to Jesus. All you're doing is introducing people to Jesus. He does everything else from there. He didn't call you to fix them. You can't fix nobody. He didn't call you to, to, to polish them up, to shine them up, to make the outside look real good, make them shave their head and look like me. He didn't, he didn't tell you to do all that. Just bring them to Jesus. Let him do what Jesus does. But let's just bring them to Jesus. Because if you remember, what, what the angel told Cornelius was to send some servants to go find Peter to go find Simon at Simon's house in Joppa by the seashore, 
and he will tell you how you and your family can be saved. I'll address one more thing and then I'm going to wrap this up. I've heard some folks say, and we're living in the end times, Pastor. Yep. Yep, end times are getting closer by the second. Could go for another thousand years. I don't know. (laughs) We're closer to the end than we've ever been, right? It sure looks scarier than it's ever looked, right? And, and, And there's this thinking that goes around in Christians sometimes where they go, well, you know, we just need to ride it out till Jesus comes back. Let this old crazy world go to hell in a handbasket. Me and my household, we're saved. You know, I've never read my Bible where it said to take a day off, where it said to retire, where it said to stop preaching, where it said to sit down and wait for Jesus to come back. It never said that. Jesus said the greatest command is to love God with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know how you love your neighbor the best? By telling them where they can spend eternity. So there's no retirement. There's heaven. But everywhere we go, we should be ready to tell folks about Jesus. I got a guy at the car wash. He's on my hit list. I went to the car wash Friday, and they know me over there because they told me I could go two times in one day with my, with my subscription, my membership. So I go through the first time. I'm kind of strategic about my car washing. I go through the first time, let it soften everything up. Then I come right back around. I get get in the turning lane, come right back, pull right back in there. I'll go. Truck's dripping wet. I get the brush. I scrub the bugs off because they're already wet. Scrub them off, and then I back up, and I go back through again. And I try to get them to give me two towels. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like they give you a towel. They give you a free towel. I try to get two. They say I can go twice. Give me a towel. So I, you go through the thing, and then I'm, I'm pulling up. And, and a, a couple weeks ago, they got a new guy there that's scrubbing the back of your truck. And, 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 and I like that part because that's the part the car wash don't get. It's a problem. <laughs> like you got to get all the dirt off. And, and so, so they started this pressure washing thing and not scrubbing anymore, and I had an issue with that. So I rolled up in there the first time. He pressure washed the back. I went around scrubbing my truck. I'm like, that didn't even work. So I went back around again. I said, hey. I rolled the one. I said, hey, bud, can can you, like, use the brush on the back? And he was like, yeah, man. And he scrubbed, and I went, hmm, got a little attitude. You're on my hit list. <laughs> so then I go back, and I see him, and I go, Lord, you're going to save that man. And so Friday, I, I went through twice. He knows me now. <laughs> he only gives me one towel, though. <laughs> I don't know if he's getting a cut, a kickback on the towels, but, like, and so I went through, and then I, I was intentional. I came back around, and I parked right there in front of him. And I got out, and I'm rubbing my car down, my truck down, and I'm about to vacuum it out. And he comes over and says, hey, bro, you know, we got this, this air thing. You can blow it. You can blow it off. I'm like, 
oh, that's what that's for? He's like, yeah. I said, oh, that's a good idea. So when I was done, I was going to tell him about Jesus, and there was about two or three cars that pulled up. But I just went and I shook his hand and said, hey, I just want to make a point of contact with him. I said, hey, thanks for that tip, man. I hope you have a great day. What am I doing? I'm intentionally trying to get that brother saved. He's on my radar. He might be washing cars today, but one day he's going to be hanging out in heaven. And I want to get credit for that. How many unbelievers do you know? Come on, Gerald. How many unbelievers do you know? And how do you intend to reach them? How many do you know? I would encourage you to put them on a list. You can write that list right now. You can grab that connect card and put their name on a list. How many unbelievers do you know and how do you intend to reach them? Maybe some folks sitting here today. And you don't know if you're a believer or not. You don't know if you died today where you would spend eternity. You have no assurance. You're not sure. I'm glad you came to church today. I just want to stand right here today and be God's man in your life right now. And if I can, introduce you to Jesus today. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. This is somewhat of a private thing. We'll get public about it later, but it's a decision you need to make. You don't know where you would spend eternity. You know about God. You've heard about Jesus, but you don't really know him personally. If that's you, all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and then I'll ask you to pray with me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody else? Today's the day. Is that you? I see two of you. Let me ask this question. You can put your hands down. Came to church today and you find yourself far away from God. It feels like it. You've been doing your own thing, living your own life, following your own dreams and desires. Life all of a sudden you realize it became empty. found the end of himself and came back home 
And the God we serve was represented as the dad in that story. And the dad was looking for that son to come home every day. I want you to hear me today. The Lord is waiting for you to come home. He's inviting you home. He's anticipating your arrival. And he's prepared to run off the porch and meet you at the end of the road. And he's going to robe you, put a ring on your finger, and put sandals on your feet. You can come back today. So if that's you, nobody's looking around. Would you raise your hand? I see you. Anybody else? Let's pray this together, church. Say this when we say, Lord Jesus, I need to admit something. I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way. And it left me empty. Today I realize I need you. I'm no good on my own. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me. He paid for my sins. And God raised him from the grave. And he's alive today. So I want to make a confession. Jesus, you're my Lord. I give my life to you today. I return home today. Thank you for taking me back. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. Would you fill me with your spirit? exactly what we need to hear. You know exactly how this message applies to us. You know our hesitations. You know our fears. I pray what Paul said over this church, that we would not be ashamed of the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to save everyone who believes. That we would be a church that's not ashamed walk into every moment, walk into every situation knowing that I'm God's man or woman for this moment and he's anointing me to go into this place and to somehow preach Jesus and watch Jesus do his thing. God, help us to own it. Help us to prepare to be ready to defend the faith to answer the questions, to push back against the lies. You've given us this region, Lord. Evangeline, St. Landry, and Acadia Parish. We own it. We need your anointing. We need your power. We yield ourselves to you. We ask you to go and prep the ground, Lord. Would you go and begin to teal the soil of people's hearts, even the ones we'll see this afternoon or tomorrow? So God, when we throw that seed of Jesus on the ground, it finds 
good ground and it takes root. Lord, I pray we bring as many as possible to heaven with us. Anoint us, empower us. Help us to be ready to discover where people are. Give us your heart of compassion. Jesus, give us the passion you have for the lost. We've got the goods. I pray we don't hold them. I pray we share them. I pray we spread the good news. I'm praying for my buddy at the car wash. Prep the ground, Lord. I'm calling him into the kingdom in Jesus' name. Save him, Lord. And give me the words to say to lead him to you. And do the same for all of us today. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord?